0: friends. Welcome to another episode of Custom Made Kid. I'm your host, Amy Williams. If you're new here, I'm excited you've joined us today. This podcast is a place where real conversations about infertility, foster care, and adoption happen. My hope is that by the end of today's episode, you have learned something, been challenged, are encouraged in some way, or maybe feel less alone. We all have our own unique journey. No two are the same, and no one's is perfect. On today's episode of the Custom Made Kid podcast, I'm speaking with Bethany Ann Moore, who some of you might know through her popular Instagram account Bethany Ann 42. Bethany is an educator in Jacksonville, Florida, as well as an adoptive and foster mom. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Bethany personally, but I am so excited to share her story today. She expected her journey to follow a plan that included attending college, marriage, and then of course children, in that order. But life didn't quite work out that way and Bethany found herself a working, single professional after graduation. Through a series of events we will discuss further momentarily, Bethany ended up feeling the tug toward foster care because of her love for a very special student. As a single, Bethany proceeded to foster not one, but three very young children two of which she has now had the privilege to adopt her children's extended biological family was very supportive of her adopting the boys i was excited to talk with her more about that bethany's story didn't follow what might be called a traditional path and i love that she didn't let that deter her in any way from her call her journey is hard brave and beautiful and i absolutely can't wait for you to hear more hey bethany welcome to the podcast. Hey, Amy, I'm so glad to talk to
1: you.
0: I was excited that you were willing to share your story. It really just stuck out to me as something that I felt like people would love to hear more about. Let's tell our listeners a little bit about who you are so that they can feel like they know who they're listening to today.
1: Yeah, so I live in Jacksonville, Florida. I've lived here for, oh goodness, maybe about 17 years now, but always been from the South. And I used to be a teacher, and that's what, you know, led me to be a foster parent, but I currently work remotely and do social media and online things for my dad's company. So I'm thankful for that flexibility with being a single foster parent. And I currently have three children, two adopted and one foster child, and just excited to see you know what
0: happens next with our foster journey so one of the things when you and I were kind of first talking about telling this story that just really jumped out at me was when I asked you how this whole thing came about because obviously you said you know I wasn't married and things didn't kind of go according to plan and I hadn't had children and and then when you were teaching a certain student something really spoke to you can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So I was a teacher in um, a Title I school, and that means they
1: qualify for free and reduced lunch. And I had some students who just needed some extra help and... I would help them any way I could by, you know, bringing them clothes. And one just stood out to me, though, that consistently just seemed like she was not being taken care of well and was hungry. And so I got concerned that she may not be living with her biological mother for that much longer. And I was scared that she was going to be put in the foster system. And up to that point, I was very against being a foster parent. Um, My parents had fostered back in the 80s, and it was a very traumatic experience for them. And so I'm hearing those stories as a kid and thinking, okay, well, I will never do
0: that. That is definitely not for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like that's especially as a single person, because I was still single. And I'm like, I can't handle that on my own. But then having this student who I really had taken under my wing at the nice school and just, you know, loved, and then seeing the possibility of her being put in the system, it was a wake-up call for me to realize that these are children who, sadly, may not be with their family for much longer. And I wanted to be somebody that could be a help, not just to her, like for sure, if they needed me, I would be a foster parent to her, but for any of these children. And just seeing that, you know, I have a house that's big enough to have them, I, you know, can provide for them. And now God has really softened my heart to it. So I'm like, okay, I need to be a person to
0: be there for them if they need yeah. me. Well, it's interesting what happens when things get personal, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hearing your parents' story is one thing and knowing what they went through, but then it's funny how certain things just sort of find us or certain callings find us. And so it sounds like when this child was sort of in your path and it got personal to you, it totally changed the trajectory and your thoughts on the whole thing. Exactly. Yes, for sure. Well, so tell me how you get from having this moment where you look at this child and you think, I can do this. You know, this is a need. I want to help address it. So tell me what the path looked like from from saying, this is, this is something I can do, and then getting to doing it.
1: So after my student had—she um, was removed from her mom, but went with family members. So she didn't be put in the foster system. So that was a relief to me. But it still— I realized that there is this need for foster parents. And so I um, contacted the local agency in my town. I have some friends who work there. So I really didn't do much research into, you know, state or private. I just went with the head agency in Jacksonville. And I just talked to a recruiter. And because I knew basically what foster care was, but I didn't know how practically that would work for my life being a single teacher. Um, and so I just asked a ton of questions, like how do visits work and, you know, the stipend and how long are they in care for? And just, you know, those practical questions.
0: Yeah, sure. And, like what kind of support you would have
1: in doing it. Right. Cause I just feel like for me, I, I had zero clue what actually foster care was. Um, and so just from basically what See, the tv says what i knew which is you know obviously not real estate right. <laughs> <laughs> the foster's or whatever on abc that um so i just went and asked a bunch of questions and then i signed up for my classes and i'm just a go-getter like when i get something in my head i'm like obsessive and all about it and um i went through I the prat- you, girl
0: i'm that yeah. same way <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: and i was i always tell people that i was the nerd in my class who had all the paperwork done you know on time when they Um, I had my little dinner with me when everybody else was going out to Subway during the class. And I was just like, I'm here for it. And I'm excited to get licensed and be done.
0: Um, That's so great. Nerds rule the world.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think everybody was like, who is this chick in here, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a go-getter.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I started, it's pretty crazy for me to think that. I started the process in May and got my first placement July 4th. Um, just oh, wow, having, yeah. It was very fast, which I know not everybody is that way. And um, sometimes it gets a little bit longer for the state to approve people. Um, so it just
0: happened to go pretty quickly for me. Um, well, and doesn't it get longer the more conditions you kind of place on the the child? Dynamic that you are willing and able to take. I think so. Um, I think some people are
1: pretty specific in what they're wanting, and people ask me that all the time. Like, well, can you say your preferences? I'm like, you you can. You can say I'm willing to take, you know, only babies, like newborns. And so, if that's what you're desiring, it may take a longer wait. Um, right for you to get a well, phone call and i
0: don't think there's anything wrong with that you exactly, know i mean i yeah. think sometimes people might feel like they're terrible for saying i can handle this and i cannot handle this but i think it's pretty brave to say i want to do this but there are things i know about myself that would limit me and and let me do it in the best capacity I can. Would you agree with that? Or do you have different thoughts?
1: Oh, for sure. And I do think that everybody has their niche and Mm -hmm. what they're comfortable with. And even for me as teaching, I'm certified to teach up to third grade. And I told my principal, like, do not put me in a fifth grade classroom because I'm just (laughs) not going to be the best person for those kids. And like, there are other people who could teach them Way better than me.
0: Right. Um, like, so the word punk came to mind in fifth grade. Like, yeah. I like all kids are punks at that age. <laughs>
1: and I'm just like, people call me just so like, they like, you need to get your teacher voice, you know, because like I wouldn't be able to handle um, that age. But I think with that, um, I think God can totally soften our hearts to eventually being open to more ages. And maybe when we get a baby, being thinking, Oh, well, maybe I could do a little bit older. And we can always adjust it later on. um, Yeah. The age range that you're
0: good with. Yeah. I agree. Well, so really quick, I do want to, I just have a curiosity. Mm -hmm. Your parents had this terrible experience back in the 80s, and then you go seeking this out. When you went (laughs) to your parents and told that this was happening or that you were considering it, what did they say?
1: When I told my parents that I was thinking about foster care, my dad is a pretty quiet person. He just mulls over things, so he didn't really say much. But my mom was mm-hmm. like, that's going to be a lot, you know. She was very sweet about it, but she's like, that's going to be a lot to handle. And I think they probably did get flashbacks of their experience. Um, they only fostered one child, but it was just enough for them, you know. It was tough, um, yeah. But the more that I was talking about it and that they saw that I was determined and— I wasn't like gonna change my mind. They were like, Okay, we are gonna do this with you. I like, I think they just wanna make sure I knew like this is gonna be difficult, the children may go back, they didn't want to see me hurt, which, you know, I think that's natural no for parent parents. Does. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I really do appreciate the fact that, you know, even though they were concern and took them a few months to really be like, okay, that now they are just totally on board with me and they know I'm crazy (laughs) about doing this, but they're crazy with me um, on it. And they love the kids. Like they just, it's so sweet for me to see how they don't treat them any differently than if they were my blood children.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I I saw that post on father's day about your dad and how you had always worried about not having that male figure, but then Mm -hmm. having him was a tearjerker for me.
1: He is so sweet. He actually came over tonight because my parents went to Michigan for a family thing and he just had to see the kids. He's like, I miss them. And they were just like, granddad, you know, and just, it. it was very sweet. So just little things like that. It is, it just makes me look back to three, almost three years ago to the day getting licensed to now and just how God, I think really has changed their hearts toward foster care too through this. So
0: yeah, well, and that's so neat. What reconciliation? It's just I, I have a feeling that that experience probably played into you maybe even holding off until the perfect time. You know, exactly. I feel like timing is so much a part of of what God does and how He works. So I have a feeling that may have even been a part of your story. But so you said three years ago you got licensed and then tell me what do the children that you have in your home now are any of them one of your first placements or is this a whole new crew yes so um
1: my son franklin who i adopted um was my very first placement he came on july 4th his situation was just kind of a really unique situation the fact that he was up for adoption pretty quickly he never had visits and so That experience with him fostering wasn't the norm. But I think maybe God was good to have that for being my first placement. And then I've had only four total long-term foster care placements. Lord willing, I'll be able to adopt three of the four. But I went into this, you know, desiring to adopt, but more changing to wanting to foster and just being open with what God did with it. But where I live, there is a pretty high percentage of adoptions the judge said that three out of four children will not go back to their bio parents.
0: Oh, wow. So I think that's that's interesting because isn't the goal of foster care um, typically reunification?
1: It is. And so I always tell people, like, if you go into fostering, you know, be open to adoption. I think that is great because there is a percentage of children that sadly may not go back to their family. But don't go and just want to adopt because, you know, we should be rooting for these parents to uh, make their families whole again Um, and being a help to them, supporting them and trying to get the kids to the visits and doing, you know, not being a hindrance to them finishing their case
0: plan. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Before we continue, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to the Custom Made Kid podcast. Don't miss out on future episodes. If you or someone you know has a foster or adoption story that needs to be told, I'd love to hear from you. Email connect at custommadekid.com.
1: Where we live, the judge I think is really a great judge, and is all about the kids having permanency. So I think with that, he puts the parents, you know, pretty high standard to finish the goal, but he just does not want the kids to be back and forth, um, you know, yeah. in the system. Which I can yeah. appreciate that, just because every removal is very traumatic. So just with, you know, this is not the norm of every place, but that is just the way it is here. And so
0: Franklin, he's four, right? He is, and so cute. <laughs> um, and then Theo, are they biological siblings? They are. So
1: Franklin, which is came crazy. To me. I know. So Franklin came to me um, when he was just like fourteen months, and then Theo was born. He's a year old now, and so he came a few months ago, and it's just really sweet for me that you know that they were able to be together and that they were able to be adopted and have the same last name and grow up together. But it's just neat for me to see like their resemblance, how they just smile the same, or how some of the behaviors that Theo does, I'm like, oh my word, that was Franklin when he was this age, and they were in the same clothes. Flashbacks. Yes, it is just so sweet to see and just. You know the redemption in their
0: stories um, is amazing. Yeah, and that's so wonderful. And it made me laugh when you said that Franklin called Theo Boss Baby. Yes. <laughs> we actually, our middle daughter is totally like type A, strong-willed, and she's only 22 months, and her name's Dawson, <laughs> and my oldest daughter calls her Bossy Dolsey. Oh, I love it. And so, so I laughed when I saw Boss Baby, and I'm like, yeah, we've got one of those around here too. <laughs> that is so funny. Actually, sometimes Theo,
1: his expressions – remind me of the Grinch a little bit just I don't know what it is I it's just funny because Franklin loves the Grinch so Michael that's appropriate but um (laughs) but yeah they're great I, I love them together
0: even their extended family the biological family are have a relationship with you can you tell me a little bit more about that so reunification did not happen but yet they still have the benefit of having contact with their biological family right yes
1: So it just depends on where you live, but where I am, foster care adoptions are closed
0: adoptions. So it's really up to the adoptive parents, what they feel comfortable with. And so that's the standard, like a closed adoption is kind of the standard, and then you can make the decisions on whether you would like contact or anything like that? Yes, where I live, that's where it is. Some
1: places, it's totally different, but that's how it is here. And so years ago, when I started this journey, I was like, good, you know, I just... I do not want to have a relationship with biofamily. That terrified me. But through the years and getting to know biofamilies, my heart was softened, and I could just see how they got to where they were. And there's no difference between me and them and how they are there and I'm here. And so I'm glad that God really did a work in my heart to be compassionate towards them. Sure. Um, I'm still all about you know the kids' safety, and you know, there are certain people that at this point, we do not have visits with and i just don't feel like it's safe but there are family members who you know we just love dearly and they come over to the house often and they come to the birthday parties and um, we text all the time and just we really make a point to have that contact and stay in each other's lives um i know that can't always be done but i'm very thankful for my boys to have that
0: yeah, and I think when it can, and it can be done in a healthy manner like you described, you know, because that mama bear and me would rise up if, yes. <laughs> if there was anything negative or hurtful or, you know, and, and kids are going to have negative experiences and pain, but mm-hmm. what I can control, I, I'm that type that would want to. So I can imagine that would be super scary. But I have a semi-open adoption, so there is a relationship there, but it's not like she could show up on my doorstep or anything Mm -hmm. like that, the biological mother. That would be something that we would agree on together. So I am thankful for that. Mm -hmm. uh, But it's it's neat to hear that y'all actually have the dynamic where they can show up to birthday parties and things like that because I feel like... That kind of leads me back to the first episode we did on here, which was an adoptee whose mother sort of announced in passing, by the way, you're not ours. Mm. And that changed her entire thought process on who she was. And then there was zero contact or knowledge about the biological family whatsoever. So it just left these gaping holes and questions. I think it's so wonderful that your boy's know where they came from and then they've got a wonderful relationship with you I love that
1: yeah I think just as adoptive parents I think it could be really naive to think like we're all that they need because I know I would have questions on where I came from and so I think if we are able to kind of lay that foundation now like you said semi-open I think that's even good to maybe communicating through email or sending pictures and you know, just keeping that door open for the future. And so that way, when they turn 18 or however, you know, we say it's okay to have visits or we feel comfortable. It's just an easier um, way to do it. Um, Yeah. But it's it's, it's scary and it can be uncomfortable. But but yeah, I think it's, you know, what our kids need and to be able to, you know, know more about where they came from and have that, you know, connection with um, their birth families.
0: You know, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, besides the the single element, when you walked into this, um, you know, I think it's incredibly brave, and then also I think there are probably women in your shoes who have thought. I, I would love to be a mother and maybe marriage hasn't been a part of their story so far. So I'm, I love that that didn't hold you back. But tell me some of the thought processes that you had. Did you tr- did you kind of try to talk yourself out of it or did it ever play into your concerns about doing it or were you just like, nope, I got this, that personality type that you described earlier?
1: <laughs> so when I originally even considered about adopting as a single person, it was because I heard about the single missionary Katie Davis. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh my goodness, she's amazing. I uh, love she, her yeah, story. I love it. And she's adopted all these kids as a single person. I'm like, okay, I could totally do that. But I think when I made that decision, I thought, oh yeah, but I'll still date and I'll still get married, but I'm gonna start, you know, fostering as a single person. But I actually did pause the process when I originally was going to start fostering because I started talking to this guy. And so I thought, oh, well, God really wants me to get married and then I'll foster. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, nothing really turned out with him. So then God just kept softening my heart to foster. And I realized if I started talking to a guy, or started dating a guy, that's fine. But I'm still going to continue pursuing this. I Good for you. God really wants me to be a foster parent, regardless of relationship status. Through that, you know, I'm still single, you know, all these years fostering, but God has just really done a really great job on my heart thinking about relationships. And I think that I put relationships on such a high pedestal, like marriage is like the end all game. And it's not. And so I think it's not. Yeah. yeah. God has just been so good to me to be realizing like, you know, if I get married, that is awesome. It's wonderful. I would love that. I would love for my kids, you know, to have dad. But if not, our life is still good. And I feel like it's fulfilled course, you know, love to be somebody, but I, we don't need that. I feel like we just have such a great,
0: sweet life, this fostering adoption life. And I think so many people, especially in the Christian community, kind of get into that order, you know, that we feel like we're supposed to have, like we're supposed to go to college, and then the next step is the engagement in marriage and then children, and then maybe we adopt. Or foster. And I really don't think God works that cookie cutter. For some reason, it just, it's just the way that we think. And so I love that you did that. And I love that you even realized, you know, hey, I'm not putting my life on pause to figure this out kind of deal. They can come along beside me. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more also about the interracial relationship, because I feel like sometimes people are afraid of what they don't know. And if I'm overstepping, you just tell me. Mm -hmm. But you know, there are a lot of elements to your story that don't fit like that cookie cutter thing, which is one of the reasons that I loved it. And I wanted to hear more about it. Have there been anything that has surprised you or that you, from your standpoint, wish people knew or were more considerate about or anything? I would love to hear your thoughts on that side of things. I think
1: I was pretty naive going into fostering as a single person and you know fostering and adopting um biracial children and the feedback i've gotten from people and just even me not taking it seriously that i need to be more intentional about having you know, people of color in my children's lives and it's a big deal to adopt children that are not our same race So, I think that's been a journey for me, and seeing that uh, I need to be more intentional about having my kids' lives. But I have been kind of surprised by the comments I've received, and sadly, some guys said they would never date me because I didn't adopt children of my own race. And like, how could I turn my back on my own race because of this? You know, it's just that kind of took me back. That doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) You know what? So great, though, that they aired out that ignorance (laughs) and you did not, you know, continue a relationship. Exactly.
1: Because I may not have known that if I hadn't fostered what was really in their hearts, you know? And yeah. So that's scary. So I'm like, this really does weed out all the non contenders um, and real people's <laughs> hearts. And, you know, those are just some people who voice their opinions to me. So I know there's a lot of people who think things. So just, I don't know. But I just think, you know, people who are adopting interracially we need to be really um, good about you know learning from others and being teachable and I'm sure we're going to make mistakes but just knowing that we need to continue learning from others who've gone through this process and that's just you know fair and to our kids
0: So I don't want to leave out baby girl. Mm -hmm. Um, You've obviously got the boys, and then you're fostering a little girl right now, and you guys are going through a pretty intense part of the process um, because this is the point, right, where her fate is kind of determined. Is that an okay way to put that?
1: Yes. So I've had my foster daughter for 17 months now, and when she came to me, You know, we never know how long our children, foster children, will be with us. But it was like, she'll be with you for two months, max. Um, And then that's not how it happened. And so we just never know how long the children will be with us in our care. And so I applied to adopt her in the new year. She was supposed to share an adoption day with my son, Theo. And so that didn't happen. Um, There's been a little bit of bumps in the road and just, you know, about her permanency. And at this point, I'm not really sure if I'll adopt her or somebody else will. So I know somebody will adopt her, which I'm thankful that, you know, she won't be in foster care for much longer. Um, I just don't know if I'll be adopting her, but we're praying about that. And so I you know I tell people all the time, like, until the judge says,
0: you know, it's final, you're
1: a family, you hold your breath. Um, You do. You really do.
0: Well, so that kind of leads me to something that I feel like a lot of people who are considering foster care or who have thought about foster care and then decided that's not the route for them. I'm sure you've been told this. I don't think I could do that. I don't Mm -hmm. think I could raise a child for some indefinite amount of time and then give them back.
1: Yes, that's probably my most received response about foster care. Like, oh, I could not do that. That's not for me because my heart would be broken.
0: My thought on that, though, and I've told I've said this before because I did have a foster baby in my home and he was here for several months. And of course, I fell in love with him and Mm -hmm. there was a plan to adopt that did not end up happening. He went back and was reunified while it was terrible. You know, when I think back on it. I would not undo it or I wouldn't change it because I feel like that was an important time in his development Mm and life. And I'm thankful I got to be a part of it. And then in all honesty, when I think about children kind of think, look, I'm a grown-up. If my heart gets broken, then that's okay. That's manageable. I can work through it. Mm-hmm. But the thought of a child's heart being damaged or broken um, any more than it has to be in, in those circumstances just doesn't seem quite fair. Like, I feel like more adults should kind of say, look, I can deal. Right. But these kids, they deserve more. Exactly. When you put in that perspective,
1: it all changes because, like, if my foster daughter leaves after with me for almost half her life like is going to hurt like I just can't even can't think about that right now but to think that yes while she's been in care she has been loved well um, she's been cared for she was able to bond with us which is so important this is what she needed because if she didn't have us where would she go like she needs to be somewhere and so if we're able to kind of absorb some of that pain and to help
0: them through this traumatic experience it, it's, it's all worth it and um, these young years are important. Mm-hmm, you know, sure. I mean, this is a foundational time. So I feel like it's so wonderful that for 17 months she's been in one place. No matter the outcome, mm-hmm. I feel like that has to lend to her emotional health. Yeah, she's just done so great in
1: our care. So I know, like, if she does get removed, it's going to be traumatic because in her mind, like, I'm her mommy and my brother yeah. her, and my sons are her oh, brothers. That breaks
0: my heart. But
1: I know that, you know, she will you know, do great, and she'll thrive, you know, wherever, because, she, you know, she's amazing, um, but it will be still traumatic, but I just know that, you know, for the 17 months, she couldn't be with her biological mother. she's has
0: been loved well, and cared yeah. for, and, and just thrived. Well, I mentioned to my husband recently that eventually I'd like to probably foster again mm. and asked him how he felt about it. And he was kind of like, are you crazy? Do you remember <laughs> how bad that hurt? Mm. And I do remember how bad it hurt. But I told him and he was like, good point. Yeah. I said, you know what? We did it. And he got taken away and we didn't die. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, right. like yeah. it was awful. And it hurts and I still love him and miss him, but I'm still standing, you know, and I think that's what we have to think is that long term picture is it will be painful and nobody says it's easy, but that doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it like this. That isn't our call is for this easy, cushy life. Our call is to love these kids.
1: Exactly. It is like missions work, I feel like. And, like, you know, we're not called to, you know, care for the less fortunate we're commanded. This is wow. something that, you know, God, it's you know, for believers, for sure, like, we are supposed to be doing this. Like, it's not an option. We need to be helping others.
0: And that's one reason that I absolutely love that you and others are sharing your story is because I feel like storytelling is how we change the world. If there's one person sitting there that's on the precipice of taking this step and they have some limitations in their own mind and then they hear your story and it's a similar kind of journey, then they may be more likely to take that next step than if they heard mine, which is a completely different version of how God called me to this area the pastor at my church he actually said something that has stuck with me for years now and he says you know one of the best ways to love God is to love those he loves Mm -hmm. and God so loved the world for us to love these children I mean we are being literal hands and feet of Jesus which Mm -hmm. sounds so cliche but so true Mm -hmm. I love that that's so good well so if someone out there is listening to your story how would they be able to find out more about your story or connect with you?
1: I think the best place is Instagram. My Instagram is and 42 um, So I answer DMs and questions. It's like one of my favorite things. So if I could talk like foster care all the time, that would be like the best. <laughs>
0: and what an awesome ministry to people who are asking these questions and are curious. Yes, I love it. Well, so before we close, what's something that you feel like you would want to leave the listening audience with?
1: So I think a lot of people come to me you know, saying that they have thought about fostering before and that that's something they want to do, but they have to do X, Y, and Z before they can do it. And so I think a lot of people think that they have to have their life like perfectly in order to start the journey. I think if you have a willing heart, go and ask questions and go to your local agency because there's just such a need. And if you have that, even this little inkling, that's a reason for that. It is a fear of the unknown,
0: but God can use you right now to help these children and they need you. Knowledge is power, and then God's bigger. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I've loved hearing your story. I know there's somebody out there that is going to be touched by it. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining our show today. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes of the Custom Made Kid podcast. To learn more about the vision behind the Custom Made Kid Foundation, you can visit our website at custommadekid.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again, and I'm already looking forward to our next episode this same time next week.